And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. We've made it through another week. <laughs> it's funny because we start a Friday morning as if it's already over. For most of our listeners, they're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an early start for us. That's why we look forward to it a bit earlier than others, I guess. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Glasses half full. Loving it. Uh, it was a busy last 24 hours with all sorts of news updates. So let's dive into the deep end of this poll. We're going to try to clarify some of the major headlines for our listeners. And this is our first pick of the day. Arrest over leaks. So we're covering the arrest in the U.S. of a suspected linked uh, to the leak of intelligence documents, of course. The FBI has arrested a suspect who they believe is, again, linked to a leak of confidential Pentagon documents that embarrass Washington with its allies around the world, uh, including South Korea. It also shows, unfortunately, weakness. Uh, the fact that uh, a high, high, well, a highly protected set of documents could surface on social media. What's the latest? Right. Well, the suspect is uh, identified as 21-year-old Jack uh, Jack Tessera. He is a member of the intelligence wing of the Massachusetts uh, Air National Guard. And aerial footage showed um, officers making an arrest at his family home uh, on Thursday uh, near uh, Boston. Now, the Pentagon told uh, a press conference the leak was a deliberate criminal act. Now, the suspect is expected to make his first appearance in court on Friday local time uh, in Boston. So we'll have to see how that trial uh, plays out. He is reported to be the leader of an online gaming chat group where the files were leaked and mm. scores of secret documents were posted uh, on this platform called uh, known as Discord, including uh, sensitive information uh, about the war in Ukraine. Mm. Uh, one of those documents reveals that South Korea uh, was torn about selling weapons for use in Ukraine. Now, mm. there has been a bit of a downplaying on the South Korean side of the repercussions of this leak and saying that it hasn't really got any diplomatic repercussions and saying that it's not really an issue between the alliance of uh, South Korea and the US. But mm. of course, uh, it certainly does uh, raise questions about uh, if it does maybe hinder relations between uh, the two countries. But mm. uh, yeah, we'll have to see if any more progress on that is made, uh, especially during the summit between President Yoon and Joe Biden coming mm. uh, later this month. Of course, we're keeping close times on that. Uh, of course, we're getting more updates on the suspect himself. As you've said, uh, there is an online platform where video gamers share information, usually around video games. But I mean, the nature of social media is you can have threads on just about any topics, a group of two dozen people where uh, Jack Texera is actually the well, supposed leader. So he's mm. he leads these conversations. It, they they talk about everything from guns, racism, mm -hmm. video games, and so this is a lead. Now, of course, a big question was what was the investigation process like, and how did the FBI mm. manage to catch him? Right. Well, it uh, seems likely actually that the alleged leaker uh, would be caught if you look at the kind of the the progress or the 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 process of which the documents were leaked. Now. Uh, open source experts, basically journalists and researchers who study uh, publicly available material online, they noticed kind of straight objects in the backgrounds of photos of uh, what has been hastily folded uh, paper printouts. Mm. Now, the objects of the printouts themselves did not really throw uh, any obvious clues, but they did point to a kind of a sloppy, less than professional method of operating. Now, interviews in the Washington Post and the New York Times with online associates of the suspect gave us further information about his possible identity 
Uh, now, one of the big questions is motivations. Now, members uh, of the chat room say Texera wasn't driven by politics and instead was just basically trying to impress his friends. Uh, he is a young uh, suspect, 21 years old. Mm. So I think that was uh, one of the motivations that uh, authorities believe. Now, the Justice Department did not say what charges he would face, although they will likely involve uh, criminal charges of willfully retaining and transmitting uh, national defense information, uh, the punishment of which could be up to 10 years in prison uh, if mm. uh, found guilty. So we'll have to see how the trial plays out. All right. So, of course, he's scheduled to make his first court appearance on Friday local time. So next Monday, I'm sure we'll have some updates for our listeners. Let's move on to our second keyword of the day. ICBM launch. So North Korea has conducted its first ICBM launch in a month, possibly testing a new, more mobile and harder to detect missile for the first time. What's the latest, Adam? Right. Well, the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, said it detected the launch in the vicinity of Pyongyang at about 7.30 a.m. yesterday. It was said to have been fired at a lofted angle and flew about a thousand kilometers uh, before splashing into the water. Now, South Korea and the U.S. Uh, are conducting what they're calling a comprehensive analysis on its detailed specifications. Uh, now, the Joint Chiefs of Staff described its range as medium or longer initially. Uh, the U.S. National Security Council called it a long-range missile, and Japan's government said it had likely been an intercontinental uh, range uh, missile. Now, South Korea's military believes North Korea launched a new type of ballistic missile, possibly using fuel, uh, solid fuel, something that was uh, touted and bragged about in a recent uh, military parade. If the launch involved a solid fuel ICBM, it would be the North's first test of such a weapon. Now, North Korea's known ICBMs all use currently liquid propellants that must be fueled before launches, uh, but the fuel in a solid propellant uh, weapon is already loaded, allowing it to be moved easier and fired faster. So that causes more concern for countries like South Korea um, and the US. Uh, now, a solid fuel ICBM is one of the key weapons that uh, leader Kim Jong-un has vowed to build to better cope with what he calls US military threats. And he also wants a multi-warhead missile as well as a nuclear-powered submarine as well as a hypersonic missile and also a spy satellite. Now, during an emergency meeting of Seoul's National Security Council, Officials stress the need to tighten three-way security cooperation uh, with Washington and Tokyo. Uh, the nuclear envoys of the three countries also spoke over the phone and called for a uh, decisive and unified international response to North Korean provocations. And they also called for stronger efforts to stem illicit North Korean funding mm. uh, of its uh, weapons program. Now, North Korea has just came out saying it tested what it called its new Hwasong-18 solid fuel ICBM, with uh, Kim Jong-un saying it makes rapid progress in the regime's nuclear counterattack capability. Mm. With that, we move on to our third keyword of the day. Forced labor compensation. So most of bereaved families of Korean victims of Japan's wartime forced labor have decided to accept a compensation proposed by Seoul, but there are still remaining, uh, of course, uh, family members of five victims who formally rejected the third-party solution. What are the latest details? Right, so those who have agreed to accept the government's plan are bereaved families of 10 deceased victims among 15 in cases where Korea's Supreme Court ordered 
relevant Japanese firms to pay reparations back in 2018. Officials met each victim or their families to persuade them uh, to accept. Each was paid around two million, 200 million won, including backdated interest. That's the same amount mandated by the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, some refused, saying they want a sincere apology from the Japanese government and compensation from the Japanese companies uh, in question. And now Korea announced last month, if you remember, that its companies would compensate the victims through a third-party fund rather than from Japanese firms. There's been a whole swirl of controversy surrounding that uh, decision. Um, the families of two deceased victims, as well as the only three victims involved in the cases still alive, have all rejected the government proposal. Uh, Seoul's foreign ministry said the bereaved families of the ten victims expressed hope that the issue be promptly resolved. Uh, and it added that Korea will continue efforts to seek understanding from the victims um, and their families as well. So the fact that most of these families have accepted the compensation plan uh, is kind of a recipe for more mixed reactions mm -hmm. uh, and more controversy and debates over this um, issue. Uh, but there you have it. It seems like the majority of those families uh, are accepting the conversation and want this issue to be resolved quickly. Right. But it seems like that is part, that is due to the efforts of the current UN administration trying to uh, put this issue at, uh, uh, um, under the rug, if you will, or uh, resolve it sure. uh, while those victims who are still alive are basically still mm. uh, adamant that they uh, want a, or demanding for an apology from the mm. Japanese government. So, of course, the administration has to double down with their uh, approach, which is to continue efforts to persuade the remaining uh, five victims and their families. But we'll have to see, mm. because as you've said, uh, I don't think controversy surrounding it, political or not, has ever stopped since the administration's mm. approach this Years ends of conflict. Uh, let's right. leave it there for now so we can move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Wheat chips, wheat growth. <laughs> you rhyme now. It's, it's nice. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the IMF has reiterated that it cut Korea's growth outlook due to slumping semiconductor market and several other factors like wheat consumption for one. Can you run us through what they are specifically? Right. Well, these are comments made by the director of the IMF's Asia and Pacific Department, who told a meeting of the IMF and World Bank that Korea's growth for 2023 was revised down to 1.5%, the details of which we mentioned in yesterday's uh, segment. He said this reflects a slowing growth momentum, partly due to the downturn in what he called the technology cycle and the weak outturn in the fourth quarter of uh, last year. Uh, he noted that a weak chip market will hurt Korea's economy and will hurt both Korea's exports and imports. Uh, the director also mentioned that domestic demand has slumped along with less construction and real estate market adjustments, all which are risk factors for the local economy. Uh, but he also said that China's economic recovery could help spur Korea's economy as well as uh, as well with increased uh, trade and travel. Uh, Finance Minister Chu Gyeong also had some things to say about Korea's economy. Uh, he told reporters that conditions are expected to improve from the second half of the year, but he noted that the Korean economy continues to face uncertainties amid global price hikes. Mm. Uh, he was speaking in Washington, where he's attending the G20 finance ministers and central bank governors meeting, mm. and he stressed that the government will not let its guard down and closely mark, uh, monitor uh, market conditions. So again, uh, some uh, rosy outlooks from the finance minister 
uh, in possibly the second half of the year. Uh, so that was a projection that was made uh, late last year as well. But we'll have to see what the data and trend is like going forward. And uh, we have time for our last keyword of the day. Qualcomm find. The Supreme Court has finalized a ruling in favor of the Fair Trade Commission's fine of 1 trillion won imposed in 2016 on U.S. shipmaker Qualcomm for unfair business practices. Can you tell us the details? Right. So the FTC had imposed the fine for violating the Fair, Reasonable and Non-Discriminatory, or FRAND for short, agreement and abusing its dominant position in the market to basically coerce unfair contracts from phone manufacturers. And it was the highest fine that was ever imposed by the agency. In fact, uh, Qualcomm fined an, uh, filed an administrative suit against the FTC, claiming the measure uh, was unjust. Uh, the FTC said the chip maker in practice either denied companies such as Samsung or Intel uh, mm-hmm. contracts or restricted their use of the patent rights by limiting sales channels. Uh, and the FTC welcomed the latest ruling, pointing out that it is significant that the court made it clear that establishing an anti-competitive business structure, despite being aware of FRAND terms, is a violation of law. And it vowed to thoroughly monitor the implementation of the corrective order in line with the verdict and take stern actions against activities uh, that hinder uh, competition, including the abuse of standard and social patterns. So this was made by the Supreme Court. So the decision is final. So Qualcomm will be fined. Mm. Whether they will uh, or are able to make an appeal against uh. it uh, remains to be seen. Thank you very much, Adam. It's still dusty outside, so be sure to mask up. Have a safe weekend. It certainly is. Stay safe. Have a great <laughs> weekend. I'll see you next week. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.